I'm Anya, and I spent decades compartmentalizing and suppressing the different parts of myself. I woke up at age 40 exhausted, confused, and completely out of alignment. These days, I am definitely not your run-of-the-mill bored housewife. So if you are tired of the shame narrative around sex and pleasure, and you're ready to be all facets of yourself, let's create sexual alchemy. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, loves. It's so good to be with you again. And here we are, episode three. And by now you might be well getting sick of my voice. I hope that's not the case though, because we had a long future ahead of us here. Hopefully a long future ahead of us. And today I'm going to give you a little reprieve from my voice and give you an opportunity to hear from someone else. You know, we're here talking about journeys, our journey from childhood to adulthood in sexual acceptance, in sexual reclamation, and sexual openness, and all the different expressions that come with that. Whether you're into kink, whether you're into any particular type of iteration of that, whether you are monogamous and have no desire to be anything but, there's so many different expressions out there. And I understand that mine is but one. And the story we're going to hear today is but one. And there are some commonalities between what we're going to hear today in terms of the container in which this guest and I both sit, which is cuckolding. But I think you'll realize by the end of the show that what I'm really wanting to converse with people about is less about their particular kink or fetish or whatever it may be, but really it is about their journey. And today we are going to be talking to a phenomenal woman that I met uh, about a year ago, I guess, in my journey. Her name is Scarlett. She goes by Cuckoldress Scarlett, and she has a very popular Twitter page and following, and she also writes a phenomenal blog. And what I think is so wonderful about Scarlett is the way that she's able to articulate her journey. She's able to articulate her love of all things cuckolding. And she's also able to just make everyone around her feel so welcome, so embraced, so held wherever they are in their journey. And I resonate really deeply with a lot of aspects of the story that Scarlett tells us about her own journey. And I hope that you do too. So sit back, grab a glass of wine or a glass of water or a glass of tea, whatever you want, and enjoy this conversation with Scarlett and let me know what you think. So without further ado, let's dig in and hear what Scarlett has to say. Welcome back, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well out there and enjoying what we have been putting out over here at Sexual Alchemy. Uh, so far, you have had the chance to listen to my own journey as I've kind of divvied that up in two parts for you. And then you got to most recently hear from my husband about his own journey and about our relationship and the container in which we live our lives. And I thought it would be really wonderful then to have another woman join us in this conversation. 
And this week we are going to be talking with one of my closest friends. And she is somebody who I've gotten to know through communities that are geared toward cuckolding couples and hot wife relationships and things like that. But this woman is so much more than that. And as we all are, right, we all have the containers in which we feel most comfortable representing ourselves, where we feel our sexuality is most represented. And this woman is no different. She has had her own journey, as we all have. And what I am really looking forward to today is bringing the conversation to another person who gets the chance to kind of put out there their own story, their own journey in their own words and how she has been working through some of the things we've talked about around societal conditioning, shame, breaking that down, finding out what our own aligned spiritual and sexual experience is. And I just couldn't be more excited. So that said, I'm going to be welcoming my girlfriend, Scarlett, onto the show here. Scarlett, say hello. Hello, sexual alchemy listeners. And hello, Anya. Hello, it's so lovely. good to be with you. It's oh so my good gosh. to be with you as well. Obviously, those of you who are listening can't see what's happening, but Scarlett and I are on Zoom and we do talk to each other with regularity, but we don't always get to see each other's faces. So it's it's great to be able to see one another and have this conversation. Yes. And yeah, this is very new. Sexual Alchemy is just four episodes in, including this one today. So, so grateful to you for coming on and being a part of the family that I hope is created through these conversations and you have been somebody that I've been talking about this particular launch with for a really long time. And so I'm just so thrilled that you can be here with me and to share your story and kind of light the path for other people who are going through journeys, be them similar or not. We all find nuggets within each other's stories and journeys that we can identify with. So thank you so much. Of course. For being here. Yeah. I have been tremendously excited about sexual alchemy since you first shared with me the concept of this podcast where you can invite others to share the meld between their sexuality and spirituality. And the more that I thought about the concept of this podcast, the more I could personally relate to it. And the more I realized just how deep that runs, because even in our society at large, even though we don't often think about spirituality and sexuality, we often think about religion and sexuality, right? How our sexual expression, you know, affects our standing in society. And it was just fascinating to think about how that's impacted my life. And now to be able to share with everyone uh, where I am now in my, my personal sexual alchemy journey, my wholeness journey. So I can't wait to get into it with you. Well, I love that. And that's a perfect segue to kind of take us back a little bit. So to those of you who are obviously new to this show, cause it's a new show, but have not yet had the opportunity to hear Scarlett's journey. Um, we're going to, we're going to take it back a bit. Uh, Scarlett's talked about her journey on lots and lots of different shows out there that are within the kink and sexual dynamic world. But from a different lens, we'd like to take it back a little bit and have you tell us about kind of your own journey through sexual awakening, sexuality, 
and where you are today. So be it as brief or as lengthy as you want, take us, take us back and walk us through the journey of how Scarlet became. Ah, yeah. You know, it's, it's hard always to pick an origin point, uh, to our own story. Right. Um, but I can definitely think back to my childhood and my early adolescence as a time that was really tumultuous in my life. Um, I think for as long as I can recall, whenever, even as, as a, a young person, whenever I took stock or inventory of my personal power, I would always think, well, my, and, and you know, in, in, the, in the mind of a young person, my beauty or my looks is, is an asset for me. It's, it's a place of power. And I learned that through the media I was consuming, the messages I was getting from my peers. Uh, and, and yet I had no idea how to access that power or what it was really all about. And I'd be curious, uh, I think a lot of young girls go through that, but we don't really talk about it often. Absolutely. Um, it's part of our socialization, right? To realize that uh, our bodies, our looks are one of our main assets and sources of power. So I knew that, but I didn't know how to access it or what it meant. And I can remember um, the first conversation that I had with, with like my parent about sex, it was my father, was a conversation surrounding, um, you know, the consequences of sex. It was a surrounding pregnancy. And my, my father would always come and talk to me when he tucked me into bed every night. And he would talk to me in a, in a real sense of a peer. He didn't dumb anything down for me. He, he spoke to me as if I was anybody else who was as important in his life as his daughter was. And he said, you know, he said my name and he said, I, I was saddened by something I saw today. I saw read an advice column where there was a young woman. She was, you know, a child, really 14 who became pregnant. And she was too afraid to tell her parents. Mm. And it was as if my father um, was pained when he was telling this story. He said, I want you to know that there is never anything that you cannot tell your mother and I. We will always support you. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's no amount of, of a decision that you make and a consequence that comes with it that, that we cannot love you through and support you through. And so th that really stands out to me because um, two days later, my father unexpectedly died of a heart attack. Um, yeah. So there was this force in my life that was unconditionally loving and uh, unconditionally supportive. And then the, the part of the story I didn't immediately tell was that very shortly after my mom came in and asked what we were talking about. And my father said, kind of recalled the story. And my mother said, what business does a 14 year old have getting pregnant? So, you know, there was the judgmental energy that came in just, mm -hmm. yeah, completely, uh, you know, a yin and yang situation there. And so, uh, so that was a really formative experience for me because I understood right away that if I were to explore and make choices that may lead to, you know, different outcomes, I would have two completely different uh, forces in my life, a very supportive force and a very judgmental force. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah. And I know you, you shared a little bit about getting those kinds of different messages in your first episode from family members. It's so confusing, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I think what you just said is so, so many things you just said were so powerful, but you are right that we learn at a very young age as young girls, that it is Mm -hmm. our looks and it is our appearance. And it is Mm -hmm. not the words that we speak, but the way we present to the world physically with our costumes that is noticed, but we don't think about that. You know, you think about the fact that Strangers walking down the street will be like, oh, what a pretty little girl, or I love your dress. Whereas if it's a, a, if it's a little boy, it could be something different like, oh, you're so creative or, oh, you, (laughs) you know, the way that they are noticed is quite different. And so we, we see that separation, but it's never something that is actually addressed by Mm -mm. our families, by society or anything like that. And so we learn that so much older that like, oh yeah. That's why I was starting to focus more on my looks and my makeup and my hair and my dress right. and how I present because that's where I was noticed and that's what I was applauded for. So I think that's very interesting. And then this really powerful juxtaposition from both parents within a very short moment, right? Mm-hmm of love, acceptance, there is nothing you can do that would separate you from us. We will love you no matter what. And simultaneously, what business do we have talking about this type of a topic, you know, with a 14 year old, nobody who's 14 should even be thinking about sex. And the reality is what we know in adulthood now, which we probably didn't have the frame of reference for at 14 is everybody's thinking about sex. It's just who's mm-hmm. not, who's talking about it versus who's not. And what was so brave about the conversation your father had with you is that he wasn't afraid to bring that up, right? Absolutely. When yeah. our parents are willing to shed light to something that feels so confusing for us, so taboo anyway, and then just to know that we would be loved regardless of our decisions around something like that. I just find that so powerful and so beautiful that you got to have that experience with your father. I'm so grateful that I did get to have that experience, especially considering, you know, his unexpected death, because I was able to carry that love and support with me Mm -hmm. internally Mm -hmm. as I navigated a world that was very thorny, a world in which I had to perform, uh, a world in which expectations were levied on me constantly that were ever changing and shifting, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a really strong touch point for me. And, and what you were sharing about uh, as a young girl, what you go through in this kind of per- performance that we put on for the world, it's very interesting too, because um, I can recall another many situations in which I felt that no matter what I did, I was going to fail at that performance. Like Mm. I'll I'll give you another touchstone moment. Um, When I was uh, a sophomore in high school, we, uh, we put on this, we put on this silly choir. uh, It was a choir festival where we all dressed up in Renaissance garb and medieval Mm. garb. And uh, I, yeah, I developed breasts at a very young age. So I, yeah, (laughs) yeah. When I was 14, I was in a C cup at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And I, 
was putting on my costume for the evening, which was like a pheasant top that was off the shoulder, which was what every other girl was wearing. Mm -hmm. Yet with my body and my breasts, I had the slightest bit of cleavage showing. And there was another mother who saw me wearing this, this shirt and just beeline to me and kind of violently grabbed my arm and pulled me to the side and berated me in front of all of my friends and peers and essentially said, there's no way you can wear that. That's completely inappropriate. And I think that young women who develop at that faster rate, we get this so often and you can never wear the right thing because, you know, everything you're wearing, if it accentuates your body, Mm -hmm. uh, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And when you receive those messages over and over and over again, what eventually happens is that you stop hearing what you're wearing is wrong and you start hearing you are wrong. There is something wrong with you you, because all of your peers can dress this way, but you are different. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly isolating mm-hmm. at an age when social belonging is so important. Right. Ugh. And so I, I internalize that. And at some point, and I know you'll be able to relate to this too, Anya, I said, fuck it. (laughs) If my, if my body is so powerful that it elicits these responses in my peers, in grownups, quote unquote, I must have something really going on for myself. (laughs) So I'm just going to explore that. And, and I think this was the first moment in my life when I was like, okay, I I don't feel that there's anything wrong with having the body that I have and with showing it the way I want to show it. It was kind of like my first kick of, of slut power, you know, yeah, it was like, absolutely. If, uh, totally. And, and so that was a really formative mo- moment for me too, because that was the first time when I was ready to say, you know what, I may not fit into this box, but that's okay. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think that it is not what I think is so interesting about the way you are able to articulate that is you were able to make the connection to see the power that you held at a young age. Whereas I, I don't know if I, and I'm being really honest here and it makes me feel really naive, but I don't know if I knew that Scarlett Mm. until literally my forties. And I love that you were able to see that at such a young age and be able to say, okay, then I'm, I'm going to make a choice here. I'm going Mm -hmm. to choose to own it and to use it to my benefit when it works to my benefit. And, and that if, you know, sometimes I'm sure there were heartbreaking moments where it didn't feel, (laughs) where it didn't feel good, but I love that you were able to make that connection at such a young age. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you say that, that things didn't always align because it, it didn't, right. It was, it took me quite some time, but that hard swing to the other side felt empowering for the first mm-hmm. time in my life, really. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. felt empowering. And even though it came along with some poor decisions and some self-destructive behavior in order for me to kind of achieve balance there, mm-hmm. um, what it, what it showed me is that this power, which has always felt like it was on the external side of me, has now 
settled internally. Mm. And it, you know, that was, that was incredible. Now I, I will say that it did make me feel still, I was still feel othering myself and feeling a little bit different than my peers. Um, but this was a, a time in my life when I was uh, young and really excited. And so I was kind of willing to say, I'll find my tribe eventually, and this will all kind of work its way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also had the idea of, okay, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to kind of embrace that I'm an adventurous, promiscuous woman. Uh, but eventually I'm going to settle down and eventually I'm going to find the right one. And eventually, uh, uh, this phase will just drift away and I will be the Madonna, you know, I'll be a wife and a mother mm-hmm. in a traditional sense, the way my mother was. Uh, and so I just always felt like, this isn't any sort of really affirming path to me finding myself. This is just an excursion. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I allowed myself to think that and um, you know, eventually I did get married and eventually I did say I, there's many, many times in my life when, as I was exploring casual sex, as I was exploring my own pleasure and determining what I liked and didn't like, where I would say, okay, this is it's enough, enough. I can't do this anymore. Uh, because those original messages of you are wrong, mm. you there's something wrong with you would always accompany these times in my life when I felt powerful, when I felt like I was enjoying sex uh, mm. and my expression of sex. That's when that messaging would come back the strongest. And so I had to, I, I was in this constant internal battle in those moments where I would say, okay, you know, enough is enough. I've had my fun, you know, it's time to settle down and find someone I can build a life with. Um, and I look back at that and I feel for, for the person that I was, because I could have never believed that I could have both, you know? Right. Never no, we in a don't. Million years. We don't believe that we can. And it's so interesting that it's when we feel our most powerful that we start to say, oh, but that can't be right. Mm-hmm. You know, what the fuck is that? Like, what is that in us that we get too big and we get too real and we get too powerful? And then we have to say, oh, that's not what a good girl does. That's not, mm-hmm. that's, I can't, I can't be a good wife and I can't be a good woman. And, and I love that at least so far as I'm aware through your journey, we've been able to both come back around to say, fuck that, that doesn't have to, that's not true. First yeah. of all. And that is, that is some societal conditioning and that is some bullshit. And I'm so curious and, and certainly want you to take your time and tell more about if you want to talk your marriage or anything like that. But mm-hmm. when did you start to recognize that you didn't have to make a choice that you did get to have both? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it was a, a long and ri- winding road to get there. That's for sure. Um, because each and every attempt, it, it's so interesting. You were saying when we're in our power, that's when the shame and the fear rushes in. Uh, And I truly believe it's because we've gotten this this messaging that 
at, you, you really have to be one thing. You can be a devout spiritual person and that only looks one way. So if you mm-hmm. want to be a devout spiritual person, it's not likely that you're going to be having sex with three or four guys in one weekend. <laughs> that right. you, th- those things are not, you, you know, mutually exclusive. The, right. You okay? And so I received that kind of messaging, and not even just about sex, but about, you know, in my career. It's like if you want to be successful in your career, your career is your life, mm-hmm. and that was messaging that I received too, Mm -hmm. but specifically surrounding my, my sexuality. And even though I had had encounters with the power that my sexuality held, I, I think I honestly was frightened of it. I, I think I was frightened that if I truly came into my power in this way and was finally able to get rid of all of this shame and baggage that I had surrounding it, what would that mean for me? Um, I still desperately wanted to feel loved and safe and secure in a relationship. Uh, and that, that is definitely what led up to my marriage. I got married very young. I was barely 22 when mm-hmm. I got married and I was in a, a, a season in my life after a sexual assault and after a, a number of dark moments where I was ready to embrace like an entirely new way of living. Mm-hmm. And I can remember saying, I feel like I've made kind of a mess of my life at 21 years old. You know, I, I don't feel like I, I've really uh, achieved what I've wanted to achieve. So I think the best way for me to go about leading a worthwhile life is to follow the beaten path. <laughs> like, mm. let me, let me get married. Let me, uh, you know, complete my college education. Let me go to church every day on Sunday. You know, let me do all of the things that I saw successful adults doing mm. in my childhood that seemed mm. to work for them really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was like, surely it can work for me. If I earnestly follow this path uh, with fullness of intention, surely it can work for me too. Uh, and that's not the case. It did not work for me. <laughs> I married, uh, like I said, very young. I married someone that was nearly 10 years older than me uh, and yet was at a maturity level, probably beneath. <laughs> 10 years younger <laughs> beneath than me. you. 10 years younger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I felt uh, at that time, like if we loved each other and if we worked hard, it would all be okay because that's what I believed uh, a marriage was two people who loved each other and were in it no matter what. And if you had uh, taken a polygraph test of me at the altar on my wedding day uh, and, and you would have asked me, will you ever sleep with anybody else ever again? I would have said no. And I would have passed that yeah. test. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. It, because in that moment, the fullness of your intent is this is absolutely going to be what the schema of my life looks like. Um, And I was also uh, at that time, I had moved from the state where I am from to an entirely different state. It was just such a a period of change in my life. And I really successfully thought that I had successfully um, dealt with and put away this part of myself that was promiscuous and that, you know, achieved a lot of energy from sex and 
really enjoyed the carnality of sex and the tabooness of sex. And now I was going to do sex the right way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to do the sex that nobody could give me shit about. Nobody gives right. anybody shit to a, a husband and wife having sex. I was like, finally, this is going to be it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my sex life with my uh, ex-husband was, um, you know, he tried his best to keep me engaged and, you know, he was a a pretty good sport, Uh, but our (laughs) fundamental, when you have to say he was a pretty good sport, (laughs) he was a good sport. He toughed it out. He hung in there. (laughs) Because I mean, now that I had arrived at what I thought was God sanctioned, socially sanctioned sex, I wanted it all the time. I was like, we're fucking all the time Mm because now I'm doing it the good way. Right. Ain't nobody going (laughs) to call me a slut now. I'm doing it in my marriage. Absolutely. Right. So pretty, pretty quickly thereafter, you know, within a year of my marriage, I was starting to realize, oh, I might have, I might have made a mistake here. (laughs) You know, it was. Uh, just the indication that there was some intellectual, emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, uh, really big disparities between the two of us. And despite me trying to communicate this, um, my ex-husband had some, some real barriers to connecting with me there so we could overcome the challenges we were experiencing. He was also uh, someone who struggled with mental health disorders and substance use disorders. Um, And I was not aware of the voraciousness of and the severity of those disorders until we, you know, got married. Uh, And so, you know, the, the, the devastation that came from realizing that my marriage wasn't going to survive had a lot to do with the fact that I genuinely love my ex-husband and wanted to be with him. And it had a lot more to do with the fact that this grand, you know, this grand commitment that I had made, oh, I'm getting emotional. This grand commitment that I had made to living life the right way hadn't worked for me. And then you think you're broken again. There it is. And then all the messaging sweeps back of, you know, you are not worthy. There's something wrong with you. You're not capable of love. And so um, that was like a punch to in the gut for me. However, what was different this time is that I had had the opportunity to do some work on me. Mm-hmm. I had had the opportunity to learn to love myself in a, in a new way uh, that was unconditional, that was very reminiscent of what my father said to me. Mm-hmm. I was able to, to tell that to myself. I felt finally connected to um, a, a higher power, a spiritual force that was present in my life and made me feel safe and secure and gave me insight and you know, just connected me to something bigger and greater than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a lot more tools when my marriage ended. Uh, and I think you can probably relate to that. Looking back at your life and realizing in that moment, I was ready because I had gone through these previous challenges and barriers that equipped me with some new tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, 
it really, uh, even though my, my divorce was a challenging time, it also was a, a new scarlet was emerging, you know, mm-hmm. one that was capable of, of dealing with these challenges and one that was uh, independent and not as fearful, but, but courageous. Uh, and so that, that actually turned out to be uh, a time in my life where even though I was devastated that the schema of my world had broken apart, I was actually feeling hopeful. I was on my own for the first time mm-hmm. since I was, you know, 21. Uh, I felt really good about that, working, supporting myself. And I took inventory for the first time of like all of my relationship history, my sexuality. And, you know, I love how you talk about how we tend to compartmentalize. I call it bento boxing. Yes, you, know? <laughs> you, you do. I love the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you call it compartment. And it's the same thing, right? Having right. these containers in which, um, and I can remember after um, my divorce, I, I sat down and I had some sticky notes and I wrote down everything I was for everybody else, uh, <sighs> you know, confidant, uh, friend, uh, employee, you know, uh, trusting, available. Uh, I wrote all of these things down and then I put them on one side of my coffee table. And on the other side, I wrote what I am for me. Mm. What am I for Scarlett? What do I rely on within myself for me every day? And you can probably tell that side of the coffee table was rather sparse comparatively. Yeah. And to see that visually. And to to know the hope though, is that I think if you were going to do that exercise today, I think it would look really fucking different. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would. I I would have parody for the most part. (laughs) I would, I would have for myself a large amount of energy and positivity and, and things that I rely on myself for daily Mm -hmm. that I also get from my higher power. I get from my spirituality. I, you know, but yeah, it, it completely, uh, my goal was I'm going to make this equal. I want to be uh, a lot of things for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but I can't do that unless I'm also relying upon my inner reserve of strength. Mm. Um, yes, yes. And I highly recommend if you've never done that, it takes mm. 10 minutes and it's a, a really powerful visual representation of some things that aren't tangible unless you yeah. look at them. Right. Um, yeah. And so I did not uh, have another relationship in, in my uh, ideal or in what I thought would be my journey. Uh, but I did meet uh, someone while I was in the process of my divorce, and he was just a very steady um, friend in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody I really relied upon for for laughter, for lightheartedness. Uh, I enjoyed his company. He enjoyed mine. Uh, you know, he was also in a big transition in his life. Um, you know, he's from the East coast of, uh, the country and I'm from the West coast. We like to say that we met in the middle. Um, (laughs) but there was a lot of establishment there for both of us. And, um, 
you know, I, I thought to myself with all of this kind of work I was doing surrounding myself, both in therapy and in spirituality, I, I said, um, you know, I am not going to go into another relationship unless I really know that this is not going to be something that leeches from my energy or from my, my life, but it's going to be a partnership and, uh, you know, a, a real supporting and loving relationship. Like the one I saw my parents have and lots of other models have, uh, that was what I wanted. I kind of threw away the, the, the notion that love was enough mm-hmm. to, to keep a, a working relationship or marriage going, uh, that there had to be more, there had to be a shared commitment to, uh, leading a life based on shared values and principles. Right. And so, but I felt to myself, I was like, that's a lot to put on somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I have this big ideal, but, uh, you know, I'm just getting, getting through this divorce. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I know you talk about your, your, after your divorce is a time of really, uh, beautiful exploration and, and getting your slut on. I did not. I was like Ooh. the opposite. I, I, I actually had been unfaithful in my first marriage. And so because of that, and I, I still, to this day, uh, am not proud of that. And I experience a lot of shame surrounding that. Mm. Not, you know, not as much, but it's, it's just, I don't, I, I do not think that with deception and, and with, uh, going behind somebody's back and breaking a commitment. It's never a good thing. And I was, I was like, I am not going to allow that to happen again. That's not who I am. It's not in line with my values. Um, you know, and so I, I did actually kind of went the opposite direction. I was like, not going to have casual sex with any, anybody or any kind of sex until I can, you know, feel safe and feel like I'm within a relation. And actually that was wonderful. Mm you know, my fiance and I wrote love letters to each other <laughs> the first like six weeks of our relationship. Mm, Who does that. that anymore? No, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are times in our life. I mean, we, we can be proud sluts. We can be really owning our sexuality and still recognize that there are times that perhaps our sexual energy is more for ourselves than mm-hmm. for expending outwardly with others, right? Mm. There are times that we need to build our reserves. There are times that we need to heal, that we need to work within ourselves. And I think it's so beautiful that you knew that's what you needed at that time. And even still today, I, I know that I take times when I my ebb and my flow, right? With totally. what I'm seeking out sexually and, and all of that sort of thing. And so allowing yourself those quiet moments to really go inward with yourself, I think is, is beautiful. And I think it sounds exactly like what you needed. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it definitely was. I, um, I enjoyed, and I, I know, and we, you know, we look back on it now very fondly that time, uh, because we really, really got to know one another, um, got to know one another's romantic ideals and sexual history. And, you know, I was always very honest with him, you know, that I was during my divorce proceedings and after that I was going through this, that I was married when we met. Um, And that was something that was new for me to just feel entirely ready to be honest 
on a rigorous level, like mm-hmm. honest to the point where, uh, you know, younger me would have been like, why are you telling this person this? Like they are, they are, this is not attractive what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> but it was my truth, you know, it mm-hmm. was my real experience. Um, and so starting slow was a beautiful thing because when we finally did, uh, get around to having a physical relationship, uh, it was one in which we both felt really safe. He was very honest with me about, you know, issues he'd had surrounding sex and issues I had surrounding sex. And we kind of started just from a a place of, if we are honest with each other, there's nothing we can't do. And there's nothing we can't fantasize about. I had never had a fantasy life of my ex-husband. Mm. Like, mm, no, <laughs> it was Me just neither. not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, he was interested in hearing about my fantasies and also interested in hearing about my sluttiness and my past. And, um, you know, I was like, wow. And, and I think the honesty is what made all the difference for me. Uh, and as I was able to be honest with him, as I was hearing myself talk about my past, it was like, I miss that. <laughs> I yeah. kind of miss, um, you know, it, what it was like to have casual sex and having sex with women. I miss doing that. You yeah. know, I, <laughs> yeah. there are things that as I'm sitting here and we're in bed, pillow talking and heavy petting, <laughs> I'm realizing that, hey, you know, I I would kind of like to do again. And so, you know, I think that these kind of, when we talk about lifestyle and how folks get into swinging and cuckolding and hot wifing, it always starts in the same place, which is Mm -hmm. fantasy talk, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, dirty talk in the bedroom, role-playing, things like that. Um, And I think that that is like, I I listen to the stories of, of other couples all the time. And that to me is what needs to happen because had I not been able to listen to myself say those things, I don't think I would ever have been able to realize just how much I missed that and identify that I missed it because I left a lot of my personal power there with it. When I stopped engaging in that behavior, Mm -hmm. when I stopped allowing myself to be that carnal and that in my body and, and, experiencing those nerve endings and those pleasure centers that I hadn't felt in in a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he would just get so excited to see that in me awaken. Um, Yes. And so that is kind of how I came to the place of saying, no, I, in fact, I can integrate this into myself in a way that is healthy, that honors me. uh, and, And that, isn't accompanied with a bunch of shame. Yeah. And I can do that with the person that I love. It -hmm. doesn't have to be something I do alone. It's something that I can do in communion with him and in communion with my spirituality. This doesn't have to be something that I feel like I'm hiding from a big, scary patriarchal God. Right. No, (laughs) because I had abandoned that notion. Yeah. Uh, So this, in fact, so it was like, a huge, like swinging of doors opening for me, kind of epiphany, hallelujah moment. They don't mm. often come in life, but this was for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's how, how I came to integrate those things. Uh, I love all of that so much. And you know what I hear, which I think, I think our younger selves know a lot more than we ever give them credit for, right? When we are born, I firmly believe that when we're born, we are at our most complete self. And it is, of course, we have to, as babies, we have to learn to walk and we have to learn to talk. But I don't think there is ever a time, at least in my belief structure, that when we come into this world, we're at our most highest self. I think that Mm -hmm. we come into the world as our highest self. I think that we spend the first 15 to 20, 30 years of our lives being conditioned away from that person. And then at some point we come back around to it. And it sounds to me like for you, you knew when you were 14, 15, 16 years old, that you had this power within yourself Mm -hmm. and you were going to say, I'm going to go ahead and take that. Right. And then you let the guilt and shame kick in because that's not how you saw others doing it. And right. it was in the aftermath of your divorce when you felt most broken, when you felt most shamed, when you felt all of these different feelings that you were able to come back around and say, actually, she had it right. <laughs> she had it right. Yes. But yeah. We need to do some tweaks. We have to make sure that we aren't giving up ourselves for somebody else's pleasure, we can recognize our power within our own self and take pleasure for ourselves without making ourselves an object for someone else's pleasure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with feeling this, experiencing it, enjoying it. And if it is a natural part of who you are celebrating it. Yeah, totally. Like I, I love what you just described. It's so true. Like one of the things that I always thought was, was strange about myself is that I enjoy sex and I would talk with, uh, you know, when I was younger, I would talk with, uh, girlfriends who talked about sex as like a chore or something they really didn't want to do. And I was like, Oh, I love it. Would have it all the time if I could (laughs) being honest. Right. Um, However, what I love about the day and age that we are living in is that it's so the resources and the community and the, this, the information out mm-hmm. there, I believe that people can have a fulfilling sexual relationship with themselves mm-hmm. if they truly desire that. And I'm just Absolutely. like, so grateful that I was born in this day and age right. uh, when you were talking about, uh, coming into this world as kind of a pure soul, um, our most actualized, our, our highest, you know, sense of selfhood. And then that being conditioned away and kind of teared from and kind of fit into a mold, uh, you know, and, and oftentimes during that process, we are really damaged. We're traumatized, we're hurt, Absolutely. Uh, we're assaulted and, uh, you know, all of those things can happen. And it reminds me of, uh, I always think about the, the Japanese practice of, uh, when a ceramic bowl breaks, yes. you know, they mend that bowl back together with gold and yeah. that broken piece that's been remade is even more ornate and beautiful than mm. the unbroken, uh, piece of porcelain was. And that's like such a, powerful metaphor to there have been times in my life where I felt 
very fragmented and wondered how the pieces are ever going to come together, Mm -hmm. uh, but had faith enough to keep living every day, uh, knowing that eventually I was going to get, I was going to get my gold shine. And I I did. (laughs) And you've got Uh, it. You have got it. (laughs) (laughs) And so do you, my darling. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I think we both know that we are on a path where we continue to look forward to how we're going to shift and change and grow. But yes, I, I think what I'm hearing from you and what I know to be true for myself is that I've never felt more fully actualized in, in this, in this existence than I do now, because we get to embrace all the universal truths about who we are. Right. And what's true for you and I is not going to be true for someone else, Sure. but what we inherently both really embrace is the expression of our sexuality. Mm -hmm. We find the word slut to be something to be celebrated and something to embrace. We definitely call ourselves slut sisters and we, Mm love experimenting and experiencing what the lifestyle has to offer together as well as separately. And Mm -hmm. it's so wonderful to create community with other men, other women who do celebrate the fact that you can be both a sexually free person, a sexually empowered person, and also all the other things in life. Professionally, you can, you know, find whatever the definition of success for you is. You can find that professionally while also fully expressing yourself as a sexual being and also not needing to divorce this part of yourself that feels deeply spiritual from the parts of yourselves that you know you love experiencing in your sexuality. Yes. So it's been such a pleasure to get to hear your journey in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I love that you were willing to kind of come along for the ride and enjoy it. Now I do want to make sure this is not the last time we're going to hear from Scarlett. So she's going to be on the show again. We will be talking more and more about lots of different topics, but I guess the one thing that I think I would love to hear from you about is how you hold, you know, both of those pieces in terms of the wholeness of who you are as both a sexual and a spiritual being. Like, how is there ever any discord in your mind anymore about those things going together? Or does it feel like they are inherently intertwined? Or what does that feel like to you? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. Um, yeah, it, it now today, I feel that with my level of sexual empowerment and sexual exploration that I've been able to reach because of my wonderful relationship uh, to the man that I love. And also, as you mentioned, my wonderful relationships within this lifestyle, including, mm-hmm. of course, you who have added so tremendously, so tremendously much to my life, I, I have reached a place where the carnal and spiritual for me are not opposite. They are intertwined. I no longer, uh, take dawn the moral, you know, religious understanding of, of sin or of that, that doesn't, 
perturb me anymore. I pray about my sex life. Like I, I talk to my higher power, the source about my sex life and what it reveals to me about my human experience. Uh, and that was never anything I ever anticipated doing. Let me tell you, right. I, I thought I could like, had to like hide that from God. If I could figure out a way, you know, <laughs> right. is he not watching right now? Right. <laughs> so I could get away with something. Right. Um, but I will say, I know that there is a lot of purpose for, you know, how, and in the the many myriad of ways that my sexuality has evolved that I didn't anticipate, yeah, um, how my preferences have developed in the people that I enjoy to have sex with, and yeah, uh, I'm still absolutely on the path of exploring that. I don't yeah. think I will have ever arrived there, but the shame and guilt of of a religious system that was never mine to begin with that was kind of placed on me no longer lives within me mm. um and i want i always want my sexuality to inform my spirituality and vice versa mm-hmm. i don't want those things separated anymore and to be able to say that mm-hmm. after years of conditioning and shame uh that's incredible and i I hope that all of your listeners get to that place because it's a beautiful place yeah. um, of wholeness and of, of just feeling complete. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm never fully complete, never fully arrived, but I will say living without shame is, is a beautiful thing. And it's something that everyone deserves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Amen. We're going to continue to explore that here on this podcast. And I can't wait to hear everyone that you have and and their unique journey and what they've learned, their touchstones along the way here. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I just can't wait to listen. Well, and there's just so much me for on. all of us to learn from one another. Yes. Absolutely. So before we go, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you because you write the most beautiful blog posts oh. and you have a very steamy and fiery Twitter account that I think people need to hear about. So why don't you tell us where to find both your blog and Twitter? And if there's anything else you want to let us know, of course, all of this will be in the show notes as well, but want to make sure that gets airtime. Sure. Thank you, love. Uh, yeah, I, I started my blog a little while ago. It's over a year old now. Uh, it is, you can find it at cuckoldress. We always love this word. Let me spell it for you. C-U-C-K-O-L-D-R-E-S-S and then scarlet, S-C-A-R-L-E-T.com. That's where you can find my blog. I may need to change that URL. It's just so, <laughs> it's, it's so just so, long. it's so long. I know. Um, so cuckoldrescarlet.com is where you can find my blog, uh, and which is updated semi-regularly. I, I have to get better there, but uh, I've got a good back catalog. So if you haven't found my blog yet, some really good reading uh, up until Such now. Such good and, reading. Such yeah, good reading. I've, Oh, thank you, love. Um, very, very proud of what I put out on my blog. And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter. Yes, where we all spend way too much time. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my Twitter handle is, again, cuckoldress, C-U-C-K-O-L-D-R-E-S-S-S. That's yes. it, at cuckoldress-S. So three S's at the end is where you can find me and uh, me and Anya and Anya's husband, we're always chit-chatting on there. 
posting Got way too much, way pictures. too much going on. All the fun Ooh, things. Yeah, I've, I I've kind of figured out how like <laughs> Twitter's like my salacious home. And then oh, yeah. we'll have all the other the other pieces that get to kind of oh, be my intertwined God. Let me together, tell you, listeners, you want to see the salaciousness. <laughs> you want you want to see it. You do for all of us. It is. I mean, that's part of what makes this so fun and so freeing is that we have these parts of ourselves that we're like, yeah, not only am I not ashamed of it, but I'm also going to put it out there so other people know they don't have to be ashamed of it either. And it's, yes, it's it's fantastic and fun. And I'm so glad that we get to be on this journey together. And I'm so excited for all the conversations yet to come. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Deepest gratitude for coming on, sharing your story and there will be more to come. So thank you all. And thank you most of all, Scarlett.